What counsel do you have for the followers of Christ who have a job called being a congressman in the House of Representatives these days, given what we've just talked about? What what counsel can we get from Billy Hollowell on this really kind of fascinating period of time? You know, well, let me bring up a name that will trigger some people, but Mike Pence. Um, it's interesting. I recently had his wife, Karen Pence, on, the former second lady, and she was talking about what it was like years ago you know, when he was in Congress, right before he was vice president. But she was talking about the fact that people in Congress spent a lot of time talking with each other and trying to work across the aisle. You know, we've let reality shows and all this crazy content drive us. And now we've started to elect reality show people, essentially people who behave as though they're reality show stars. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to The Disciple Dilemma. I'm Dennis Allen, along with my co-host, Raymond Monroe, and we're talking with Billy Hallowell today. Billy describes himself as a husband and a dad, but right behind that, we've got a journalist, author, a Washington Times podcaster, along with a lot of other podcasts that he hosts and works with to talk about the headlines and what's going on out there in the world of being a disciple in the midst of all the churn and the chaos we see in the news today. Great conversation with Billy. Here we go. Billy Hallowell, thank you so much for joining us on The Disciple Dilemma today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're, we're thrilled to have you aboard. And Raymond, as always, thanks for being aboard to clean this thing up and make it uh, have a little class when you're when you're having to deal with the likes of me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you are a testament to God's grace. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. OK, well, so here we go. So your 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 mic is on mute now. Billy, let me ask you the question as we lead this thing. Uh you're in journalism. I mean, you've been a journalist since you were a kid. You're a Rhodes Scholar nominee. You have written for a lot of different magazines, organizations, journals. You published as an author. So we figure you ought to be able to give us a really great way to go find truth out in the marketplace. Where do I go read or watch the truth, right? Do I go to Al Jazeera or Huffington Post? Where do I go, really? So I'm going to give you two answers. The, the first answer is, you know, I work for Christian Broadcasting Network, CBN News, um, and that's that's where I spend my all day. OK, I'm churning out stories there. And I would encourage people, you know, go to an outlet like CBN, go to an outlet like Christian Post. We have we actually have a great uh, morning podcast, daily podcast called Quick Start from CBN News. And that's something that you can just kind of get the news. What's going on? It's 20 minutes. It's quick. Um, but so that's my first answer. Go there. I, you know, I love being a part of CBN and we, everything comes through a faith lens, through a Christian lens, understanding what's going on in the world. I think the, the more complicated answer, you know, when you want to know everything that's going on, we have moved so far away from a paradigm where you could go to an outlet and trust it right now you can trust CBN. I'm saying in general though, you know, if I go to Fox news or CNN or MSNBC, all of these outlets are coming from a perspective, there's a lens through which everything is being viewed. And it's so crazy because you could actually go and say, hey, I want to know what's going on in Israel right now. And you go to Fox News and you read and then you go over to CNN and you read and you're like, wait, are they talking about the same story? Because the framing is such an issue. And that's become really a problem across the board. So the second answer, which is a little more complicated, if you want to know everything that's going on about a story at this point, I feel like you have to read and look at three to four sources before you can actually trust that you know you have a well-rounded view of what's happening. So your three or four faves outside of the Christian arena would be, where, where are you going? Are you bracketing left, so, right? Are you bracketing what? 
So yeah, I hit Fox News. I hit CNN every day. Um, I like to look at NBC and see what's going on. I like to look at you know BBC. And those are some of the ones, and I won't do BBC every day, but because you get sort of more of, of a European view on what's happening. And I will tell you, a lot of the time, I'm reading things and I'm scoffing and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, wait a minute, the real story is four paragraphs down and you've buried it because I look at everything through a faith lens. And so for me, I I, I want to understand, okay, what's the truth? What's missing from this? Um, but those are the ones that that I tend to hit. And I think it's important, and I would emphasize this, a lot of people out there, whether you are conservative or liberal, wherever you are in the political spectrum, it's really unhealthy to only read the outlet that has your lens. That's a really bad thing. And I know people are like, why? Why is that a bad thing? It just it really limits your ability to understand. I want to know what somebody who disagrees with me is saying and thinking so that I can refine what I think and also respond to why I think they're wrong. Right. So I have to be able to understand that. And too many of us don't. I really like the understanding side of it you're coming from. So here's my second kind of follow-up on this. And then and then Raymond, may the Lord have mercy on your soul, Billy, we'll start asking questions too. So um my 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 question then would be when we think about leaders in the Christian space right now, and you think about the world that you're trying to quote unquote cover, what would you say are the sort of top issues that you've got on your radar right now that you would say, hey, Christian leaders, you need to have a basic grasp of, and this is the stuff that matters in the world as it's passing by us right now? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think obviously from a from a world perspective, the Middle East, the Middle East is always going to be a focal point. Obviously, there's a a faith lens through which that's an important piece. Um, And and then attached to that is understanding what's going on right now, what current events are there. And everybody has different theologies on what they believe about eschatology and the study of the end times and all of that. But but all of that hinges on actually understanding what is happening there, uh, because thousands of years of history, right, are, are rooted in this one small area of land, this one place where we're watching so much happen. And so I think that is a key. I also think that we've done a really poor job um, as a as a church, I think, in, you know, we've complained about a lot of things and we pointed them out but we haven't taken enough action. And so I think a lot of people right now are waking up in the middle of nowhere. They're kind of like waking up and they're looking around. They're like, wait, how did we get here? Because it's so bizarre and it's so crazy. And it came out of nowhere when in reality, it didn't come out of nowhere. It's been coming and coming and coming. And our reaction hasn't been meeting the needs on the ground. So I think to sum summarize that with a bow, it would be pay attention to the Middle East, pay attention to the social issues happening here in this in this country, because there's a lot going on. And I think not only do we need to pay attention to it, we have to have action steps to help people see the truth so that they can see past all of that fog that I think is being sort of dropped on everybody right now in, in this country. A couple of questions up front before we dig into something a little deeper. Um, a couple of the sources that I use that seem to be uh, slightly conservative, but pretty factual. And I just wondered if you had some feedback on like real clear politics, real clear policy, their investigation. I find them to often have different points of view so that you're not getting one side of the story, but they seem to be identifying really knowledgeable kinds of people that are really useful. 
You know what? I love that you brought, I actually forgot. I go to real clear politics every day and I'll tell you right now in this season, why I go there, they have, as you were saying, they really mix together every perspective. And so you get a chance to actually see from the headlines, Hey, okay. I want to read that opinion piece or that news piece, but they also are the only, well, one of the only places I know of where you can get averages of polls, right? We love to throw polls out. Trump is winning. Biden's winning, but they actually average together all of the polls. And so you get not only do you get that average, which I think is a strong number, you get a sense of where the candidates stand. And so I'm going there every day for that right now. And by the way, they have betting averages on who they think will be president. And it's very interesting right now. Yeah, there's another issue. I, I don't want to forget to mention this because it's so crazy to me that we this Nagorno-Karabakh issue that nobody seems to know about. And I won't bore you with every detail, but it's this little landlocked region between Azerbaijan and Armenia. And it's it's actually historic. And it's a place where early Christians, you know, settled. And so there's old monasteries. There's all these beautiful buildings. There's a lot of Christian history in this in this region. Of course, Armenia was the first Christian country. And those are the people who were living in Nagorno-Karabakh. Azerbaijan drove one hundred and twenty thousand people out of Nagorno-Karabakh into Armenia less than a month ago. And nobody has been talking about, I mean, this story has not gotten a lot of attention and these are most mostly ethnic Armenians, but also Christians, most of them who have been driven from their homes. And so it's important, you know, when you throw the BBC in or some of these international outlets, you get that chance to kind of see, okay, what are the other issues happening that we should be paying attention to? And by the way, Armenia, there are a lot of fears that Azerbaijan is going to actually invade Armenia, right? That's a huge, another huge crisis that the world could be dealing with. So Anyway, side note, but important to mention. Podcaster, author, journalist Billy Hallowell is talking with us about headlines, how to handle congressmen if they're going to be disciples, and what we should be thinking about about the way boomers have wrecked Christianity. All this and more coming up as we finish out our first interview, part one with Billy Hallowell. How do you frame the cultural issues? How does the church begin to respond to reach young people um, my kids were on uh, one of the podcasts with us, and they pointed out that Dennis's book is an excellent summary of how our generation screwed the world up. <laughs> and so what are we supposed to do moving forward? So I guess I'll throw it over the wall to you. What are we supposed to do moving forward to make people disciples? Yeah, I think it's so interesting when you look, oh gosh, there's, you you have like a thousand things in my brain right now that I want to, but I'm going to start, I'm going to start with worldview because it is interesting. You know, you talk to George Barna, who's you know been studying worldview forever, and he will tell you that right now, 2% of American parents have a biblical worldview, Christian, you know, American parents, not Christian parents, 2% have a biblical worldview. About 6% of Christian parents have a biblical worldview. And so we're, we're walking around talking about how are we going to you know, raise up this next generation when the very people leading them and only 37% of Christian pastors have a biblical worldview, according to all this research. I mean, this is alarming. And so the very first step is get off your butt and live a Christian life and be, and actually read scripture, understand scripture, live it out. As you were saying, love your neighbors, love God, love others, cling to truth, cling to love, those things are not happening. They've been very out of balance. And we see that when these studies are conducted and we're, and to me, that is the biggest piece. You, you're not going to raise up a generation. If 2% of parents have a biblical worldview, that's a major problem <laughs> and yeah. we need to address it. Right. So, uh, and part of, I mean, there's so many pieces and feel free to push back on any of this or to ask for 
clarity on any of it because I have a lot of thoughts on this. You know, I also think we have really bought into the cultural lies that are out there and they've permeated the church. I mean, I remember growing up and hearing things, you know, keep your faith separate. You hear this a lot from the secular world, right? Because we don't want to hear about your faith. Keep it separate from what you do. It's a separate thing. And this has been an ideology that I think used to only be secular, but now in some ways has become part of the church. And I think we're watching some of this happen politically even, right? Some of the arguments that people would have made against certain candidates or people, they've abandoned because I don't need a pastor in chief. I just need, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, nobody's calling for a theocracy here, but what what I am saying is that there was a time when your your views on faith impacted everything you were doing, your job, you, your, your life, the people you voted for. And there's still a faction of that going on, but I think we've separated from that a little bit and that's impacted us because we're not viewing our job as living out our faith. We're not viewing right, maybe the things right. we do in our everyday life as as being examples of discipleship and how we bring people along. One of the things we've been really trying to grapple with is that living the Christian life is a skill that you learn. It requires that you know the right things, but it's not just knowing the right things. And so how do we how do we model that skill set and transmit that skill set rather than just getting people to be able to recite the shorter catechism <laughs> and get right answer for everything. You know, we are shoving so much information into all of our brains all day long and kids are picking up tablets and phones and they're allowing and we're allowing as parents the world to sort of shape not only what kids believe but what their behaviors are. We're, we're catechizing our kids with this, aren't we? A hundred percent. And it's incredibly dangerous. It's not shocking. None of this is shocking. If you take out a graph and you go back to the year 2000 and you pull up, because to your point, just saying you believe something is not enough. I don't believe for a second that, you know, 65% of Americans are actually Christians, right? They're saying they are. I don't really believe they are. Um, you know, maybe it's 20%, 30%. I don't know, but it's not 65 Anyway, that's a whole other that's a whole other topic. But, you know, as, as you sort of as you sort of dig into this, though, we are allowing our kids to be shaped by the world around us because we're not modeling the right behavior. Again, with two percent of parents having a biblical worldview, how is that going to happen? We're not living it out the way we need to be. And so it really starts with us. But I also think that means you know, what are, what are my kids watching? I'm on top of what my kids are watching, what games they're playing, what they are sure. seeing, because everything they see and take in is going to impact their understanding, not only of the faith, but how they live that out. And so, you know, I can explain that more if you want, but I, I think that's a huge thing that almost every parent, every parent that my kids of the kids around my children, they're not doing it. They're not watching it. They don't really care what their kids are taking in. And that is deeply concerning to me. Billy, let me try to probe something that uh, may bother some people. And, and I just want to raise this issue with a preface that Raymond and I often put out, which is, hey, pastors, hey, church leaders, as you listen to this conversation, none of this is an attack on the church. No, Nothing is intended as a criticism of any of you in what you do. We are so grateful for what you do. But we do want to ask provocative questions so that we all have a chance to see where we're baking in our own juices versus simply operating in the world as we're called to. So, Billy, I'm thinking about your your vitae, the stuff that makes up the who you are, where you write. So I'm thinking about 
things like you've been on Fox News, you've been in the Washington Post, you've been in the Washington Examiner, you've been in Huffington Post. Why do you try to converse and interact in such a diverse universe there as a follower of Christ? Why don't you just get in your tribe, Billy, and just walk the right line with the right people? Why are you out there like that? Yeah, I think the be- the best answer is, you know, anybody who's been frustrated looking at what happens on college campuses, right? And a lot of people have been. They they've looked at college campuses and they've said this is crazy land. They're banning not every campus, of course, there's lots of great campuses, but they're banning certain speakers, they're not allowing certain ideas there. And the way you arrive at a place like that is by having too many people exist in a realm in which they haven't interacted with anybody who they disagree with. Yesterday I was out walking and my kids were with me. We were coming back from the school us. And one of my neighbors who disagrees with me hundred percent on everything, she stopped me and we were talking and she wants to know what I think. Right. Because, and, and which I really love, you know, she, she knows we don't agree. And she's asking me about politics and, and we're talking and my kids were watching. And, and afterward I said to them, look, we had a great conversation. We weren't yelling at each other and we disagreed about every single topic that came up. You know, <laughs> we are, lo- we are losing the ability to do that as a country, but as a Christian, for me, if somebody is going to invite me on or allow me to have a platform and I can say what I believe, I'm not being impeded and I have a chance to reach other people. Why would I not? Why would I not do that? You have to use discernment, but why would I not? And I think for me, I have actually had some of the best experiences when I've been in those environments where I know nobody agrees with me. Right. Um, And so I tend to, I don't always look for those opportunities, but when they come, I'm going to take them and I would encourage other people. This is not just to clarify this. This is not this kumbaya. I'm doing this so that I will change my views and comport to the world. No, in fact, it usually reinforces my views more and makes me understand them more. So for me, that's an important thing is just kind of going where you're called to go, even if it's uncomfortable. So the really unfair follow-up question, but I get to ask it because we're having fun on this, is (laughs) what counsel do you have for the followers of Christ who have a job called being a congressman in the House of Representatives these days, given what we've just talked about? What what counsel can we get from Billy Hollowell on this really kind of fascinating period of time? You know, well, let me bring up a name that will trigger some people, but Mike Pence. Um, it's interesting. I recently had his wife, Karen Pence, on the former second lady, and she was talking about what it was like years ago, you know, when he was in Congress, right before he was vice president. And obviously, people have a lot of feelings and emotions about about Mike Pence right now um, across the board. But she was talking about the fact that people in Congress spent a lot of time talking with each other and trying to work across the aisle. And that's something that people don't like. I mean, I don't love I'm not going to compromise my values of truth. I'm not going to say I think something is true and it's not. But you also have to realize that, you know, you we are living almost in two different countries right now. I mean, the country is so divided that at this point, in order to accomplish something, there are going to have to be concessions that both sides make on on policy in terms of behavior. I mean, I think what we're witnessing it's the it's like a reality show, right? We've all this entertainment, and this kind of goes back to the initial point because we tend to talk about kids only, like oh, when you know when kids take content and we have to worry about that, absolutely. But what about the adults, right? There's research out there showing that when adults take in negative content, they're more likely to be desensitized to it and let their kids watch it without realizing it's bad. How does that translate into politics? Right now. You know, we've let reality shows and all this crazy content drive us. And now we've started to elect reality show people, essentially, people who behave as though they're reality show stars 
to be in Congress on both on both sides of the aisle. I mean, there are people and I'm not going to name them who very literally are people I would not I do not love seeing in in those roles. So I think for the people in Congress who are believers, who are true believers, who love Jesus, it really is a time for us to say, are we putting our faith first? Are we putting Jesus first? And what do we need to do for the good of the, of the country? What, what does this mean for us as a country? So there are a lot of big questions there. And some people are answering them the right way, but I think we've seen it time and again that some people are not. Would you help the church think more about discipleship? Would you help us get the conversation started to talk about the biblical discipleship Jesus gave us? Please follow us. Our website, www.thediscipledilemma.com. You can find us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and all the RSS feeds. If you'd follow or like us, you'll help us get leverage in the digital marketplace to talk about the fact that discipleship needs to be talked about. And as always, folks, thanks for listening. 